The Federal Reserve gives their opinion on cryptocurrencies. Goldman Sachs raises their expectations for sports betting. And is Twilio a buy? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. And another finish to a crazy day on Wall Street with the Dow Jones finishing up 103 points, NASDAQ up 162, the S&P 500 up 27, the rest 2K down 19, and the VIX dropping all the way below 19 uh, 19 points. Um, and not only that, but that's a 10% decline. So it's now at 18.9 points there on the VIX. I like to see it. Hopefully that thing continues to drop. The further that goes to the downside, the more positive it mostly is for the market. Now, taking a look at the recent headlines today, we are going to lead with the Fed. So Fed Chair Powell um, making some statements on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. He said, quote, they're highly volatile and therefore not really useful stores of value and they're not backed by anything. Well, I I somewhat agree with him on the volatility. Yes, volatility um, is definitely much higher in cryptos than is, say, gold. Um, But at the same time, I disagree on their stores of value. I think a lot of cryptos can be solid stores of value, especially Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, And I, you know, I take a look at cryptos and some of them are becoming strong stores of value, especially Bitcoin. Now, he went on to speak about Bitcoin and he said, quote, it's more a speculative asset that's essentially a substitute for gold rather rather than for the dollar, he noted. Um, so overall, what did I get from that statement, those two statements? What I got was that um, right now, they don't really see it as in a, in a, a fantastic way to store value. Um, but he said, you know, we do see it as a, you know, a substitute in the digital world for gold. So a substitute for a solid um, storing uh, value asset in digital. And I do think that's what Bitcoin is and is going to become even more. I think it's going to pretty much be um, a digital gold. And it's really being driven by this supply and demand um, system we have currently going on. So when you take a look really at any market, if you take a look at pretty much all markets um, that follow economics, basic economics, you have this supply and demand system. So uh, as you know, there's always a supply side and there's always a demand side. If the demand increases and supply stays the same or decreases, what you're going to see is prices go up. So when you have this situation in Bitcoin, what we see is an insane amount of demand, not only from individuals, but now major corporations because they want a place to store value. They want a place to put their money and keep it safe other than bonds, which are just becoming junk. Um, So what do they do? They buy Bitcoin. And what is occurring now is major institutions, corporations, um, companies, and individuals are jumping in on Bitcoin as stores of value instead of, say, gold. Um, They have found that Bitcoin is a better store of value in some aspects than gold. Um, And therefore, you're seeing everyone kind of switch over instead of going to gold when it comes to a store of value into Bitcoin. Um, And I think that's going to become more and more common. In fact, I think a lot of major companies uh, are going to jump in on Bitcoin over the next year. I think you're going to see huge companies getting Bitcoin onto the balance sheet as a store of value and replacing those bonds where they used to store their value and their debt. Um, I think they're going to replace that with Bitcoin personally. Um, and I definitely do think you're going to see that transition over the next five to 10 years, which is just going to lead um, Bitcoin higher because there's going to be an insane amount of demand and supply is pretty much set. And if you have a set supply and a 
in you know in exceeding demand you're going to see the price of say bitcoin go up a huge amount and i think that's what we're going to see now this all is all speculation the fed chair powell is right on that he's right he's right that in the aspect it's all speculation um whether what happens and what will happen but the stock market is speculation uh people in the markets are always speculating on what's the upcoming catalyst what is the stock going to do in the future how and why is it going to go up so you know i don't really see speculation as a legit reason to not like an asset. I really don't see it like that. I think speculation is part of investing. It's a fundamental part of investing in all forms. Um, and I firmly believe in that. Now, he also said, quote, to move forward on this, he's referencing cryptocurrencies, we would need buy-in from Congress, from the administration, from broad elements of the public. And we haven't really begun the job of that public engagement. And then he went on to end out his statement by saying, so you can expect us to move with great care and transparency with regard to developing a central bank digital currency. So this question, this response was in reference to the central bank, the feds essentially making and forming a digital currency created by the government. Now, whether I think this is going to happen or not, I really don't know. What I think the likely thing that will happen here is that there'll be some more regulation from government, but I do think the government will eventually buy in. And what we're going to see is that the government, instead of, um, you know, I would say buying into um, creating financial systems for, say, bonds, the common financial um, stores of value, gold, uh, commodity, other commodities, I think you're going to see a lot of policy and a lot of new laws uh, surrounding Bitcoin. Um, and that definitely is a worry, but at the same time, it could benefit from it. So there are definitely you know a mix of things to be seen there. But the Fed basically saying here they're not going to be involved in the crypto space for quite a while, and we still have to start the transition um, to open up. Up new avenues for the Fed to get into Bitcoin. And that's pretty much what I got from Fed Chair Powell there. But overall, I think this is more bullish than negative on cryptocurrency. I think the media likes to take out little parts that are negative against cryptos. But I really do think, um, especially his second line when he said it's a replacement for gold, I think it's a positive for cryptocurrency. And I think it moves to the upside over the next few years. Now, Goldman Sachs raised their uh, expectations for the sports betting space. I think this is something we should focus on. They said, quote, uh, we expect a combination of favorable legislation uh, and consumer adoption to drive growth in U.S. online sports betting and internet gambling uh, from $900 million to $1.5 billion markets today to $39 billion to $14 billion in 2033, equating to a 40 to 27% CAGR over the next decade. Um, and that was in a note to investors at Goldman Sachs. So overall, Goldman pretty much reiterating here that they are extremely bullish on the sports betting space. I'm with them. I think sports betting is going to be huge. Everywhere it's been legalized, it's been huge. You're seeing these companies such as Penn National and DraftKings bringing in huge business, huge growth numbers, and people absolutely love sports betting. So I think it's going to be big. I mean, I think this is the right call on Goldman. A few sports betting names to check out. Penn National, DraftKings, Rush Street Interactive, um, GAN is another one to check out. But go check those names out. There are a few casinos that have started to offer um, sports betting uh, opportunities. But I definitely think if you want an amazing sports betting stock, you have either go with Penn National or DraftKings. I think um, they're two of the best ones to go with, and I think they have much more upside over the next few years. Now, before we shift into the biggest analyst calls today, um, and then by the end of this show, um, the breakdown on Twilio, 
I would like to quickly note that yields are now moving lower. So we started the week off and actually last night, it looked like the market, you know, was going to continue to sell off and yields were going to continue to move higher. Uh, today, the U.S. 10-year treasury yield uh, moving down back under 1.7%. It's currently at 1.688%. Now this could easily shift back up, but the market liked it, uh, liked the action they saw today um, and tech was on the upside. So what am I doing? Well, what I'm trying to do here in my portfolios currently is create a bell, uh, a, you know, a um, portfolio in which are a barbell portfolio in which both sides of the portfolio um, benefit from either reaction. So in essence, what I'm getting at here is if you look at a barbell, one side benefits from something and the other side benefits from the other. So what I'm seeking here is to have like 50% of my portfolio be weighted towards inflation friendly, um, high yield names. And then the other side, um, I want to be buying up those tech names that are going to do well when all of this inflation fear calms down uh, within the next few weeks, months, maybe even years. So what I'm doing is I'm splitting my portfolio into growth tech names on one side and then industrials, inflation-friendly stores of value names on the other. Um, and it's really a barbell just like we used with COVID, reopening, re uh, reopening, and then stay at home. We're just doing the same thing here, but with inflation, deflation, um, pretty much that's how I'm positioning my portfolio right now in trying to do that. So what am I doing in order to make that happen? Well, today I took profits on Wells Fargo and Honeywell. Both of those stocks had huge runs. Wells Fargo, we locked in a 25% gain on that name. So I'm very pleased about that. I also trimmed uh, Boeing last week while it was making a parabolic move to the upside. I'm considering adding to it, but what did I do? So then I added to Disney. Um, that is an excellent recovery play as well. I kept Boeing um, and I'm considering an add to that. And then I added Grayscale Bitcoin Trust to the fund. I think some Bitcoin exposure is going to be excellent. So I uh, added that to my portfolios. Um, Grayscale Bitcoin is trading way below NAV. Um, and honestly, I think it has a lot to catch up to do to the actual Bitcoin price point at the current moment. But I do see Bitcoin doing better under a high inflation environment. And that's why I increased my grayscale Bitcoin exposure. Now I'm also looking for tech opportunities. If we get a sell off more in tech, I'm looking to add to my semiconductor positions of AMD, Marvell and Qualcomm, Apple. I'm also eyeing Amazon, Netflix and Microsoft all running in to 200 day moving averages. So I'm watching those um, within the next few days. Now shifting into the biggest analyst calls, um, a few I'd like to touch on. So we just talked about DraftKings. Loop reiterated um, DraftKings as a top pick. Bank of America upgraded booking holdings to a buy. I agree with that. A solid reopening play. Um, furthermore, if we take a look at some other names, Barclays initiated DuPont at equal weight. I think DuPont is a buy. It's pulled back off its highs. It's an excellent industrial name and it's going to do well under a higher inflationary scenarios. Um, also, we take a look at the social media. Bank of America downgrading Snap and Pinterest to neutral from buy. I agree with this. Both of those stocks had huge runs to the upside. And at the end of the day, it's probably a good idea, especially with rates creeping higher, which I do think the U.S. 10-year Treasury will get over 2% here within the next month or two. Um, given that, I do think that Snap and Pinterest will likely see a little more downside over the next few weeks and months. And it's probably um, a good move. If you already have a position, hold it for the long term. But if you don't, I'd stay away. If you have huge unrealized gains on it, start to trim back, take some profits. Um, now, I'd like to round out the uh, biggest analyst calls 
with a call on Nike. Um, UBS reiterated Nike as a top pick for 2021. I 100% agree with that. The sell-off after earnings due to supply chain issues was unwarranted. It's a buying opportunity by Nike right now. Um, and then also Dollar General, excellent company, was upgraded by Evercore ISI to an outperform. Definitely go check out uh, Dollar General, excellent company. One of those uh, names that was sold off in recent weeks for no reason and is definitely presenting an opportunity. Um, so now let's shift in to the individual breakdown on Twilio. What's going on with Twilio? So Twilio, is a leading software and cloud company that offers customers a cloud communications platform that gives developers the power to build and operate a real-time communications platform across software applications. Now, in recent weeks, the leading software and cloud names, as we know, have been selling off on inflation fears, on these rising yields, um, and that has revealed a possible opportunity in Twilio after the stock dropped over 16% in the past month alone. So overall, um, if you would take a look at Twilio's customer list, it is insane, just like a few other companies we know. So, you know, their customer list includes Lyft. It includes Chime, Stripe, United Way, Coca-Cola, Airbnb, Glassdoor, Salesforce, Yelp, Zendesk, Dell, Twitter, Twitch, and so many more insanely strong companies, which interested me a lot. Now, in recent news, management has gone on the attack. They've gone on the acquisition front. Um, in recent news, Twilio completed a acquisition of Segment, a leading customer data platform for $3.2 billion. Now, management, they were upbeat about this, saying, quote, with the addition of Segment, Twilio's customer engagement platform now enables companies to both understand their customer and engage with them digitally. The combination is key to building great digital experiences. Um, CEO Jeff Lawson said, this is great stuff here. I really like this acquisition. It's going to only make Twilio stronger. It's going to put them even further into the lead. Um, and I definitely see Twilio seeing huge growth in the future. Now, I would also like to note the ticker is TWLO. They're currently at a market cap of $60.7 billion, but the stock does have issues, and we'll get to that after the earnings. Um, so digging into the earnings, um, they beat expectations for Q4 with an EPS of $0.04, cents, um, and that was better than the estimate of negative $0.07. Cents. But on a year-over-year -year basis, EPS, it didn't go up or down. It remained flat, unfortunately. Now, while earnings per share were flat, revenues did quite well, increasing 65% year-over-year to a strong $548.1 million for the quarter. Um, now, at the same time, uh, Twilio's dollar-based net expansion rate inc increased to 139%, um, and that's a big jump from the 125% in Q4 of 2019. So not bad stuff there. Now, unfortunately, and this is one of the negatives about Twilio at the moment, is Twilio continued to run a loss from operations of $185.3 million, and that is a bigger loss than the previous uh, quarters, same year, time, Q4 2019 of $93.8 million loss um, previously. So their loss expanded. I didn't like to see that. Now on the flip side, non-GAAP net income from operations totaled $12.8 million, and that's a lot better from the Q4 2019 level, a negative $3 million, so not bad there. So rounding out Q4, if we take a look at Twilio's customers, they reported 221,000 active customer accounts, representing a jump of 42,000 active accounts from the previous year's level of 179,000 accounts. Um, now looking into the full year because it was Q4, so we got full year results. 
revenues uh, increased 55% to $1.76 billion. Um, now, while revenues improved, Twilio reported FY2020 um, a loss, unfortunately, a GAP loss from operations of $492.9 million, and that was much greater than the $369.8 million loss um, the year prior. So once again, their loss expanding, but customers and revenues also expanding to the upside. Um, so it's really a give and take here at the moment. Now, guidance was solid. They're expecting Q1 2020, 2021 revenues to land within a range of $526 million to $536 million, um, and that's roughly 44 to 47% growth in revenues, so not bad stuff there. Now, shifting into the balance sheet, the numbers are solid on the balance sheet, remarkably solid, with the total debt of $329 million, total liabilities of $1.035 billion, but the total assets, $9.487 billion, far outweighing weighing the liabilities and debt, and then the cash and short-term investments, $3.040 billion, um, uh, you know, solid balance sheet there, assets sets and cash far outweighing their debt and liabilities. I like to see it. But the valuation is unfortunately negative. We take if we take a look at the forward price to earnings on Twilio, um, their forward PE is one thousand one hundred seventy eight point one five times. Insane uh, forward price to earnings, um, and then price to sales thirty four point zero seven times, and a price to book of just around the high sixes. Uh, right now, just around six point seven times. So overall, the valuation is insane, and they have an expanding loss. Um, you know, in 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 their earnings, but at the same time, uh, they have a remarkable remarkable balance sheet. The revenues are growing quickly. The management team is on the attack and making the company even stronger and the customer base is growing exponentially. So I like all of those. Now, leadership could be more effective even though they're on, to, on the attack and have done a solid job. If you take a look, the return on equity is negative 7.71%. The return on assets, negative 6.71%. And the return on invested capital is negative 7.04%. So overall, they could definitely see improvement there. Um, management could be more effective. Now, given all of the numbers, given the earnings, um, solid and negative. Um, overall, it was a give and take. Uh, it was a mix of good and bad numbers, but the analysts are very bullish on this with a mean price target of $508.38 per share, and that's roughly a 42 to 43% upside on the stock. Now, the high price target is $550 a share, and the low price target is $425 per share. So at a maximum, according to the analyst, at their top end target, you're going to make 54.58% on your money um, from the current price point. So I like that. Now, uh, the big money is also quite involved. 79.90% of Twilio is by institutions. Top holders include the Vanguard Group, Morgan Stanley, um, Investment Management, and Jenison Associates. So solid institutions are in on Twilio, um, which is a positive. Uh, so in short, what do I think? What do I think about Twilio? Well, it's pulled back quite a bit. It's presenting an opportunity. Twilio is a solid company with expanding revenues, a strong Rolodex of customers, and is within a growing industry. Um, but it still carries its issues such as an expanding operating loss. So overall, I do think you can nibble on Twilio especially as it continues to pull back. And if it continue, if it pulls back even more significantly, I think it's a buy. It's a strong company, a solid management team. They're um, making the company even stronger through acquisitions, which I'd like to see. But at the same time, uh, they need to figure out that expanding loss there um, when it comes to operations. And they need to figure out how to rein in those costs while growing. So overall, uh, Twilio is a positive company. If you want to check it out more, um, the ticker is TWLO. And you can see the full breakdown with the technical breakdown at runningwiththemoney.com. Now, to round out the show, I am going to run through the watch list. Um, if we take a look at the watch list today, it's really not bad. Um, in fact, a lot of names did quite well. Um, overall, if you take a look at what sectors did best, you can see that technology absolutely killed it today. Um, technology, communication services, consumer assistance. Uh, 
consumer names did well. Online retail, e-commerce did well. Software did well. Information technology did well. Semiconductors bounced hard, um, which I like to see. The financials sold off. Um, energy also sold off. Healthcare did well. So what am I seeing here? I'm seeing a lot of green. I'm seeing a lot of rebounding off of, in some cases, bad selling and in some cases, warranted selling. Um, overall, I do think uh, the FANG names are a buy at this point. I think you want to be in honestly the strong equities. I don't think you want to be betting on those super high growth names. I think you want to be betting on those companies that are growth names, but they're also mega companies that aren't really affected by much. So your Apple, your Microsoft, your Amazon, your Netflix, um, your Disney, your Facebook, those kind of names, those names that are absolutely invincible are the names I'm liking most right now. Also um, on that inflation friendly side, those healthcare names, those financial names, uh, those energy names, I like them. Uh, The real estate names, I'm trying to figure out some of the best reads to get into for an inflationary environment. The crypto names. Um, if you actually, uh, once one very speculative um, play on uh, the recovery and opening up is Visa, MasterCard, credit names. Um, a lot of people, when they travel, they use credit cards. Um, they use credit. Um, and, you know, they're going to use MasterCard and Visa's services to pay for a lot on vacation, a lot when they're going out having dinner, which is now allowed again in most places. So overall, that could be a slight reopening play. But overall, what I like the most right now are the FANG names, the strong companies within the market um, that are extremely speculative when it comes to growth in the future, um, that are solid companies going to do well throughout pretty much any situation. Um, And that's really what I'm trying to position myself in right now. Um, So overall, uh, that is it for the show. Thank you for listening. But before we go, I need to ask you a question. Now, do you ever get tired of constantly keeping your portfolio well-balanced, making calculations all the time, and having to plan for multiple trades just to simply rebalance your portfolios? And let's not even talk about these complicated and confusing trading platforms that take forever to learn. Well, I do, and a company called Passive has made investing easier than ever. Passive has created Autopilot for your portfolio. The Passive platform allows you to easily manage multiple portfolios, keep your portfolios well-balanced, track performance of all your portfolios, and create one-click trades to instantly fix any issues amongst every single one of your portfolios. And that's just a few of the many awesome features offered by the Passive platform. Go check out Passive's awesome platform and join their investing community completely free or gain access to their awesome management features for just $99 per year. And that is a lot better than a lot of other platforms. Now, go give it a try at Passive.com forward slash Luke. Once again, that's Passive.com forward slash Luke to give Passive a try and make your portfolio management a million times easier and less confusing. Thank you to Passive uh, for supporting the show and the Running With The Money podcast. To the rest of you, um, please uh, trade on, invest, research, and I will see you once again to talk about the markets uh, Wednesday, and hopefully we'll get even more amazing headlines to go over. See you then. 